We are on this fun series for me. I love talking about, I don't know if you know this, I love talking about stewardship. Uh, you might not know this about me. I don't talk about it much from the pulpit. If you know me on a one-on-one basis, I love talking about how to manage resources because God has took me on a four-year four, four journey, five-year journey, where he has really been stretching me in my understanding of resources. If your first week here uh, in the month of July, we are on the series called The Other 90. Because the church always tells you what to do with 10%, but what about the other 90? And we know we're supposed to be generous and give God a portion, but what about the rest? And what does the scripture have to say about that? The financial formula for success is give God your best and then actively manage the rest. That's the formula for success right there. Give God the best and then actively manage the rest. Now, last week we talked about counting the cost. And we talked about what that looks like is having a budget, not in your brain, uh, not on, you know, just in your mind, but having an on paper or on a spreadsheet budget where you are looking at all of your finances, all of your income and all of your outgo, and you're accounting the cost of what it takes to live your life week by week, month by month. Amen. That's basis, like basic level one stewardship. You have to have a plan for your resources. Amen. I also didn't say this in the second, first service, but we're going to be having at the end of the month a budgeting class. Amen. So hopefully you're going to sign up and come. Amen. We're going to have a class for budgeting and give you a bunch of spreadsheets and resources to help you in this process uh, of just getting your house in order. It is so important that the church gets their house in order. Now, when you read the Bible, have you ever read the Bible and felt convicted? Right? The, we... we, we In the scripture itself, it says that the Bible is a mirror. When we read the Bible, it shows us our lives, and then we see the deficiencies in our lives. Have you ever woke up in the mirror, and like, you were just like, what? What's going on? Look in the mirror. The other day, true story, I woke up, and I was so groggy. I had had a long day of travel. I woke up, and I opened my phone. I went to go open my phone, and it, it wouldn't recognize my face. I was like, Jesus, like, what is going on that I am so tired that I won't even recognize my face? Like, oh, geez. But sometimes you read the Word of God, and we recognize our attitude. Mm. Some of you have been under construction in that area for like 12 years. You're like Israel in the wilderness 40 years, and hopefully you get it. Uh, Some of you are, you read the Scripture, and you realize there's areas of your lives that are unsubmitted to God. But do you read the scripture and look at your financial picture? Because the scripture talks all the time about resources and how to manage money. And so if we are believers and we live our lives by scripture, then we have to put scripture at the forefront of how we handle our resources. Amen? Many of us, for the, if you pass the issues of budgeting, you can get past budgeting. The next thing to tackle is a four-letter word called Debt. Got real serious in the room now. (laughs) Debt. D-E-B-T. Debt. Now, when I talk about debt today, I'm not talking about your recurring monthly cost. I'm not talking about maybe uh, unless you have an absorbent balance, right? I'm talking about just like the, the, what's the extra stuff? What's the credit card debt? All the demonic loans you took out. All the, you know, ungodly student loans that last a lifetime that you're going to pass on to your children, that, that's your inheritance to them. And, but I'm telling you, the church in and of itself and, and the world, the nation, is neck deep in debt. It is a, a real serious issue 
of our time. Our nation has made a grave mistake. The Bible is clear that as a nation, you are not to borrow money from other nations. And, and the U.S. debt is, is, is atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. Now, on a personal level, it doesn't get much better. Debt is a very serious issue. And what debt is at a base level is this. It's us giving away our tomorrow to get what we want today. It's us giving away tomorrow to get what we want today. Right? On the other hand, some people say, well, my debt was emergencies that popped up, but because you weren't fiscally responsible, you didn't have an emergency fund of money. You didn't have an emergency fund to be able to say, I have an emergency. This is what that money is for. Amen. Now, the average American, according to CNBC 2021, the average American person, individual, has $90,460 of debt. $90,460 of debt. Now, some of you are, are just like, wow. I don't have that much. I only have 86,000. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's not much better. And some of you may say, well, I have 50 or I have 60. We, you have a number. Everybody got a number in this room, right? Most of us, I'll say, have a number in this room. Now, if you're Gen Z, means you're 16 to 23. If you're under the, in the age of that bracket, 16 to 23, you're Gen Z. The average person by the time they're 23 already has $16,044 in debt, credit card debt. $16,044. Y'all, that is not a small amount of money. $16,000 for kids, teenagers, 18, 19 years old, with thousands of dollars in debt. And the issue surrounding debt, if that wasn't enough of an issue itself, the other major issue, the bigger issue, is that believers aren't educating themselves in the scripture to get out of debt. That's a bigger issue. Today might be uncomfortable because you might come to the conclusion that you've been not the best story that God has given you. But the decision you have to make leaving today is what am I going to do with the rest of my life and my finances? Right? I want to see, uh, I, all the time I see and hear about people thinking that they're getting these deals. We just get ourselves into, into the most impulsive debt all the time. And when somebody came to me the other day, and they were like, man, I got a great deal. This thing costs 3000 but I'm only paying $45 a month <laughs> for the next 10 years. Like, what? Like, that's not a good deal. And you're paying 29% interest. Not a good deal, y'all. Y'all do it all the time. You don't want to admit it, but you know, you couldn't afford the new phone to pay it in full because they're getting so expensive. It's like buying a kid. And it's just like, it's, a, it's like, $2,000 for a cell phone nowadays. And, and so I'm just going to pay $25 a month. And you think you got a deal because you broke that cost up. You're paying interest down. And what would have been 1000 now is twelve ninety because you have 29% interest. And you think you got a deal, but in the long run, it's not a deal at all. I used to tell my wife this early on in our marriage when she would go out shopping. I got a 70% off sale. And I was like, we could have saved the other 30 if we never bought it. If we had never bought it, it's just as good of a deal. We were impulsive in how we managed our finances. Some of you have thousands of dollars of credit card debt and nothing to show for it. Conviction hit the room. At what point do you mature up and get serious about running from debt in your life? Because you do that whole thing, it's only 25 bucks a month. Do that six times, seven times. Which some of us actually do. We have 10 of those payments going on, and we're paying $250 a month. 
plus your credit cards, plus your student loans, plus your other debt. And we're just trying to, we're trying to pay our bills, but we have all of this debt. And sadly, many of us have nothing to show for. Now, back in 2017 and 2018, uh, me and my wife have been already on this four or five year journey since 2000 and, and about 12 of just really managing our resources better and budgeting. And from 2012 to about 2016, we were off and on a budget as we felt needed, which was bad stewardship. Right, so we kind of collected some debts along the way. Not too much. I would say maybe about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars in debt along the way. But in two thousand and seventeen, I started listening to this guy named Dave Ramsey. If you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, go to your podcast section of your phone, look up his podcast, and listen to it every day for the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, your life will change. He has nothing but financial advice, and he answers all types of questions. He has programs and books. This guy has gotten over 5 million people out of debt through his simple, basic program. Now, when we first did this, me and my wife weren't on the same page. Partially my fault, I wasn't communicating enough. I was just having plans but not telling the wife. Husbands, it doesn't work. She has her own plans. And so, and so she, would, she would be like, hey, honey, you know, none of the, the rooms in our house are finished. We have to add more stuff to them. And I'm like, well, we got to get out of debt. Like, I'm, what good is it if we have the stuff, but we don't have the house? And we had these opposing opinions. So what I did, I, I got sneaky, y'all. She, would, she loves our, our family tradition Fridays. You're going to find me at Chick-fil-A in North Haven. That's our Friday tradition. We go to Chick-fil-A in North Haven. And so I knew this. So I started rigging a trap. I started making her listen to Dave Ramsey on the way up. And little by little, when you have these people coming on doing their debt freedom scream and they're paid off X amount and this amount of $200,000 in two years and $120,000 in six years, and it just inspires you. It inspires you. And so somewhere along the way, we got on the same page. I can't tell you when. But I know in 2018, we made a decision that we are going to be broke and poor until we pay off every debt that we owe with exception to our mortgage. We're chunking that now. And in less than 12 months, when we got serious, we got completely debt-free and paid off every loan, every car. We owe nothing to nobody. I'm telling you, it was the greatest decision I have made since accepting Jesus, marrying my wife, and having kids. And those were all accidents, praise God. And so I'm t- it was the best thing that I had ever done. Now, you might be here and you think that you don't make enough to budget. That's foolishness. You may think that you're out of debt so you don't have to budget. That's also foolishness. Or maybe you're here saying to yourself, we're, we, don't, we don't think that we can get free. We're just going to maintain right now. And maybe we like the way we're living. And I want to tell you that there's a better way to run your household. No matter your financial picture, you can get debt-free. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes today on this simple topic that I have entitled, Divorcing Debt. Some of y'all need to divorce debt today forever and never go back to it. Now, as a believer, I always ask myself this one question, what does the Scripture say about this topic? Scripture has so much to say about every topic of my life. The Bible says about the Bible that the Word of God, right, is good for reproof, correction, and instruction. The word of God is good for reproof, correction, and instruction. If I know this, then it's for every area of my life that the word of God is good for. Here's the first step. If you, if you are saying, a pastor, I'm writing a budget, and now I want to calculate when I get out of debt. Here's the first thing you need to realize about getting out of debt. Here's point number one today. We must commit to no longer 
giving up tomorrow's wages for today's wants. You got to commit to stop giving away what you are getting tomorrow for what you want today. Even if it's with the mindset of, I'll just pay it, back, pay it off when I get paid. Don't say amen to that one. You've never done that. I'll pay it off in full at the end of the month. And the end of the month seems to never come. The first step is to manage yourself and say, I'm going to commit to making no more new debt. I am tired of giving away my tomorrow for what I want today. I'm tired of every time I get paid, other people have more claim to my money than I do. At what point do you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is slave of the lender. The Bible equates being in debt to slavery. The Bible equates being in debt to slavery. That you are enslaved. You are being ruled and mastered by those who enslave you. And I want to tell you, the whole credit card game is a, it is a rig. It is just that. It is a game. It's a ruse. It is meant to never let you get out. Some of you are bragging about your credit score. All credit score is is this. You are really good at borrowing money and paying it back on time as they tell you to. It means nothing else besides that. I am trying to enlighten you. Look at the scripture. It doesn't talk about credit scores. It talks about debt-free living. We have applied man's logic for too long. You can't, you can't sit there and try to run from debt and build credit. It doesn't work. You have to put God's word first and realize that God has a purpose for your resources. In truth, when you are in debt, your resources are owned by companies. Your checks are eaten up by high interest rates, and we are paying high interest rates for things of low value. And you are paying 29% on that latte, and some of you are like, mine's at 17%. Is that much better? You go out to Ruby Tuesdays and you are paying $100 plus the 18% until you figure out how to pay it off at the end of the month, which you don't, and it goes to the next month and the next month and the next month. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, y'all. This is true stuff for many of us here today. You will forever be ruled by another until you rid yourself of debt in your life. You have to stop selling tomorrow for today. And the reason is this, we think we deserve something so much that we are willing to give up tomorrow's money for the instant gratification of today's pleasures. That is so much like somebody in the Bible that we read whose name is Esau. Now Esau is the man in the Bible who has a twin brother whose name is Jacob. Now Esau was born first, then came Jacob. And these two boys are sons of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. So these guys are children of promise. And they are destined to have the Savior come through their lineage. Now, we know scripturally God has chosen Jacob, and he's rejected Esau up to this point. And Esau and Jacob don't kind of know that, but their parents do. And listen to the scripture and to this interaction in Genesis 25, 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he is also called Edom. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. 
He swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. At a first glance, this might not look like a a whole issue with debt, but we look at the behavior of Esau, that he despised his future so much and did not think of it as anything worth or, or value that he was willing to give it up over a deal for a bowl of stew. Oh, if I have the time to extrapolate the context of that scripture where it talks about how men are willing to govern themselves by their stomachs above God's plan for their life. That some of y'all will head out after this with no cash in your account and put it on a credit card, your lunch. Because we govern ourselves by our cravings, not why we were created. And so Esau is here, and he is the firstborn. Now, most commentaries agree that Esau was not about to die from hunger. He was exasperating the situation, he was exaggerating, and he was extremely impulsive. And we see that later on in his life. Now, Jacob is shrewd, he's a trickster, and he says to Esau, well, if you really want some of this soup, sell me your birthright. And birthright is this, that the firstborn got the patriarchal blessing from the father. That the father would give him the blessing to be able to lead the entire family upon the passing of the father. And then on top of that, especially in the Mosaic law, if the father has a million dollars, the, the firstborn son, he gets two parts of that, and the second one gets the rest. So the firstborn son gets a double portion, plus he gets the right to lead the family and to be in charge. And Jacob says, Esau, sell me your future. Sell me your prophetic destiny. Sell me God's plan for your life over this bowl of stew. He sold his tomorrow for today's wants. Many of us, through credit, And through our financial endeavors, we sell our tomorrow for what we want in the moment. And the Bible says, so Esau despised his birthright. We gamble our paychecks and wages on the wants of today. That may be an uncomfortable truth. You are gambling your resources. You are giving it away to others. You are giving the strength of your future. You are ripping your children off, parents, when you are getting yourselves in debt. You are disabling your ability to fund their future when you are neck deep in debt because you don't want to have a stewardship plan. This goes back to last week, that mature people don't spend money they don't have. I'm going to say that again. Mature people don't spend money they don't have. Don't live at the level of your income. You're supposed to live below your income. If you make a thousand, only spend seven hundred. But we make a thousand, we spend two thousand. We get a raise, it's already gone. You get an income tax refund, it's gone before you get it. You got plans for it. But you're still in debt. Can we be honest today? Debt is an issue. In the, in the society we live in, number one, but it's a greater issue in the church because the Bible tells us to run from debt. Esau sold his future. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sold your future for a meal? Have you ever put that on a credit card or, or funded it off the future, but you never really had the money? To God, this is serious stuff. To some of you, it might not be that serious. To God, this is very serious stuff. When you commit to a process of budgeting your lifestyle, of going ahead and having a righteous way of living your life, you have to first commit, if you're going to get out of debt, to not make new debt. You cannot try to pay off debt while making more new debt. It takes maturity It takes discipline. 
alongside that, the scripture also says this, Proverbs 22, 26. I'm going to help somebody today. From the New Living Translation, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else because if you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. The Bible says it's bad enough that you got your own debt. Don't go co-sign a loan for nobody. Oh, I wish you, that was your place to say amen. Have a quickening of the spirit of God. It is absolute foolishness and sinfulness in the eyes of God to guarantee somebody else's mortgage or loans. Oh, I can't afford this car. You know why? Because you don't have the stewardship. That's why. I'm not going to sign for you. I, I can't. Why, pastor? The Bible says I can't. The scripture says I can't sign for you, even if I wanted to. Man, that looks really good. That's a great deal you got, but you ain't getting it with me. Because the scripture is clear. Because if you defaulted on that, I have to pay it. And if I can't afford to pay it, they're going to take what I have. They come after me. I'm liable. I have a fiduciary responsibility to pay what you can't pay if you can't pay it. But the fact that you can't get alone by yourself in the first place might be evidence of your lack of stewardship yourself. Right? If they're saying you can't afford this on your own, it's probably because you can't afford this on your own. So number one, we don't want to have our own debt. But number two, we don't want to sign for somebody else's debt. At some point, you stop selling tomorrow and make a plan to rid yourself of this. So if you have a budget and you left last because I'm going to make a budget. Some of you thought about it really hard and didn't do it. There's still time to make a plan. See, church is only as good as what you're willing to put into practice in your life. It's not about what you know in life. It's about what you do with what you know. Because you're going to be held accountable for what you've been told, not for what you want. You're going to be held accountable before God. God holds us accountable for what we have, not what we wish for. And so you can wish all you want for prosperity and wealth. It will not come if there's no management. There's got to be management first. The more I listen to Dave Ramsey, the more I got inspired. I can do this. I can make a plan. I got inspired. And the faster I got inspired, the faster I paid down debt. In God's eyes, the only thing worse than racking up debt is not paying debt. You don't believe me? Psalms 37, 21, the wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous show mercy and gives. What am I saying? You better call that collection company and make a deal. Because it's wickedness in the eyes of God to not pay it back. If you know that that is yours, to think that it'll go away after X amount of years is unrighteous. It's unjust scales according to the scripture. You have to pay that thing off. Right there, the wicked borrows and does not repay. If that is you, you have to work out this idea of how do I pay this off? I have to make a plan. I have to make this work. In God's eyes, to not repay it would be sinful. So we must make a commitment to not have any more new debt. We just stick with what we got. Secondly, we're not going to make debt with anybody else in Jesus' name because the Bible says we can't. Third of all, we're going to make a decision to pay back the debt we already owe because to not do that is sinful. I had a friend of mine, I told you last week, he was nearly a million dollars in debt and he had a choice. Am I going to file bankruptcy or am I going to work my way out of this because it's righteous? He chose the righteous way. And in seven years, I believe it was, he was able to pay off everything and God catapulted him to wealth. I'm telling you, I am telling you, that to repay things is the way of righteousness, right? And don't, don't sit there and consolidate your credit cards on one loan and then sit there and rack up your credit cards again and feel like you accomplished something. 
We do it all the time to ourselves. We, some of you know what I'm talking about. Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. It ain't just Old Testament, y'all. Let no debt remain outstanding. Except the continuing debt to love one another. You got to commit to number one, I'm going to make no more new debt. Number two, I'm not going to make debt with anybody else. Number three, I'm going to make a plan to repay debt because I know this is God's will for my life. Now, if you're with me so far and you're agreeing that you're not going to continue to add debt to your life, this means you're ready to tackle your debt. Now, here's the thing. When I got ready to to attack my debt, I attacked it like my life depended on it. I began to pay off everything I could. In, in Dave Ramsey's program, he, he would usually tell people, you got to buckle down and just eat rice and beans for the next X amount of years until you're debt free. Now, I'm going to call Dave because I find that borderline offensive. <laughs> because that's my life. I eat rice and beans. What are you saying, Dave? I eat rice and beans on a good day. <laughs> what are you saying, Dave? But what Dave means is that rice is cheap and in abundance, and so are beans. You can get a lot of it for very little. He's saying, you don't have to live in excess. Do the minimal you can. Cut off every expense you can. If you don't need it, don't have it. Cut off some of your subscriptions you don't need. Cut off some of those gymbos you don't go to. Cut off some of those things you subscribe to. And get every last penny that's not a bill into your debt snowball. You take all your debt. You calculate your debt freedom date. You can do that. Calculate it all based on how much money you can pay extra a month. You can know the exact day you'll be debt free. Go to DaveRamsey.com. He has a calculator on there. You can do it. That's how I did it. 12 months. And God helped me because I was being serious about stewardship. Now, when I did this, I did it like my life depended on it. You know why? Because my life did depend on it. The scripture tells me that my life depends on me running from debt. Proverbs 6.1. This is a Dave Ramsey favorite verse. My son, if you put up security for your neighbor, which we're not going to do, have given your pledge for a stranger. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor and go. Hasten, plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Here's point number two, right? Be intense about being free of debt. Be intense about being free of debt. You have to have a serious intensity. Dave would call this gazelle intensity. Every now and then when I'm bored with my life, I watch National Geographic. I watch the Earth series. Anybody here ever watched the Earth series? It's pretty mesmerizing. Thank you so much. School teachers watch it with me. Praise the Lord. I feel smart now, right? I, I, I actually like the series. I like watching the, the African deserts and the wilderness and how they have all these animals out. They see these, these massive herds of antelope and gazelles and, oh, this is so beautiful. And then out of nowhere, this is a lion. And it gets real quiet. The, 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 the pensive music comes on. You know what I'm talking about, Ernie? The pensive music comes on. And it's just like you're watching this little gazelle. And out of nowhere, he just takes off. And he's gone like lightning. And the lion appears. Now, me, I would have been dead. I would have woke up in heaven like, what happened? And we'd be like, lion. I would have had no idea. But this gazelle, he sees the hunter lion and he runs for his life. He senses him. He smells him in the air. And he runs for his life. Here's what the scripture says. Run for your life from debt like a gazelle from a hunter. 
Notice what it doesn't say. Slide the credit card more, keep on racking it up, and get some points. It says run from debt. Run from... This is uncomfortable for some of y'all. Run from debt. You, you don't deserve it. Stop it. It's not worth it. Stop it. You're selling tomorrow for an immediate gratification that will not pay off in the future. Everything you're spending these resources on, it fades away and dies. It fades away. Some of you stop wearing the dress you bought on credit card before you even finish paying it. Oh, Jesus. Fellas, some of y'all stop wearing the kicks that you brought on credit even before you finish paying it off. Tons of credit card debt, nothing to show for it. Are you with me? You have to get mature about your freedom. You've got to buckle down and like a gazelle, run for your life because your life depends on him. If you're in debt, the Bible says right there, why? give your eyes no rest. Why are you sleeping so much? You better get a side job. You better go Uber. You better go sign up for Lyft. You better figure something out. You better go dog walking. You better go babysit some kids, something. Bake some cookies, do a craft, anything. It's give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Right there. Don't, why, why are you chilling? You got debt. I, on your Instagram, you live in the highlight reel. On your social media, you are doing all this, but the Bible says you better get some overtime. You better hustle. You better, time is short. You better get serious about getting out of debt. How serious? Like a gazelle running from a hunter. Come on, yo, this is serious stuff. The Bible says run for your life from debt. Some of y'all have been in debt for so long, it's normal to you. In the kingdom, debt isn't normal. In the kingdom, debt is abnormal. It's against the place of God. It's to stop sleeping your days away, thinking that your debt will take care of itself. While you sleep, your debt compounds every day, 29% interest. While you sleep, your debt is compounding every single day. While you're having time at the beach, time of your life, living it up. While you're at Ruby Tuesdays or your favorite restaurant, whatever that may be. I'm telling you, whether it's a nice little bodega, I don't care what it is. If it's Starbucks, it's your weakness. That's your kryptonite. If it's Dunkin' and you like that stuff, ugh. Yeah, it's just, if you have, no, seriously, if you have like a low-end palate and you like Dunkin', if you're unrefined and you like the taste of brute Dunkin' Donuts, I'm kidding, but, but if that's your kryptonite, because some of us, we think it's only $2. It's only $3. It's only $4. It's only $5. Yeah, but it's $5 twice a day, seven days a week. Right? That's $280 a month on coffee. Plus 29% interest because you haven't paid it on time for years. And you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're taking your UI money to pay this. You're taking your, your this bill to pay that. You're just trying to make it all work. You're trying to put the next fire out because there's no plan in place, let alone a journey for debt freedom. Husbands, wives, hold yourselves accountable. It's cheaper to buy groceries and, and have your, your lunches packed. It's just better. It's just easier. It's just better, amen? Does the Bible literally mean don't sleep at all? No. 
But what it's saying is, why are you resting all the time if you're neck deep in debt? You can't just dream about it. You got to work about it. Like a gazelle running from a hunter. There's got to be an intensity for you to say, I want to divorce debt. When I paid off that last debt, I am telling you, it was the best feeling in the world. I don't want to go back. It's the best feeling in the world. Be intense. God's called you to be the lender or not the borrower, the Bible says. God's called you to be the lender, not the borrower. Make a plan for your money first, then make a plan for your debt second. Now, for some of you, this might be daunting. For some of you, it might be a tough decision. But I want to encourage you today that scripturally you can do this. It's possible. One of the keys to living in abundance, right, uh, is to not be paying these high interest rates for yesterday's desires. It's, it's to not be paying other people the best of your income. When, again, when me and my wife got debt free, the way I could breathe easier, you see, I can do more for my family. My kids can hit me up for more all the time, and they do. My kids are into video games now. I close with this idea, right? My kids are, are in this video game phase now. And, and now it's phone games. And, and my daughter, Aria, she is my pride and joy. And I just love her to pieces. And my daughter is infatuated with horses. I mean, if you come to my house, you will play a horse game with her. Like, I feel bad for little Devin and Bam. They come to my house, want to play horses? And they're like, no. And she's like, you're not my friend. She's in the room by herself, like, why are you here, babe? Nobody wants to play horses with me. I'm like, it's probably not fun. Like, she can make the best horse sounds. She knows stuff about horses that I don't even know. Like, she just loves, and she's playing this horse game. I don't know who gave it to her, but we got to talk. I can't do the noise. I'm not going to do the noise. She, she does the perfect ho- horse noise. And, and I'm just like, babe, like, where'd you learn that? She goes, I just, I listen to it a lot. <laughs> She's like, so I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And she does the name and everything. I'm just like, but yesterday I come home from a long trip on, on Friday night and it's like 1130. I walk in the door. I have been traveling for 12 hours on the plane and I walk in the door and she's like, dad, I need 40 gems. I need 40 gems in this game I'm playing. I'm like, what? I got a rear horse. I got to train it. But I need the gems. I'm like, What? 40 gems is like $10. But you know what? It may sound silly. I have no debt. And I have a great savings account. And I'm investing a lot of money. You know what? Yeah, you can have that. I remember when I was a kid, Dad, can I have this bag of chips? I can't do that right now, son. I remember that. I remember always having pay less shoes. I remember that. It's not about brands either. But I remember not being able to have what everybody else had. And so I got myself in a place where I can give my kids whatever I didn't have, but also still store for my future and bless others. Right? And so every Sunday we're going for ice cream after service because it's sweaty in here. I'm like, who wants ice cream? We need ice cream. Yes, we do. Every Sunday. That's our thing. Why? Well, because I've lived my life in such a way that I can say yes now. As I, as I govern my life like this, here's what I understand. Here's point number three, right? That when you're debt-free, debt-free living means worry-free giving. Some of us have to give in the offering by faith because we have no stewardship. But when you, when you are 
When you are debt-free, you can give to anybody and not worry about what you have coming in. Because, right, because you know that God has been faithful and you have been a good steward. Debt-free living means worry-free giving. You can live and give, as Dave Ramsey says, like no other, when you are debt-free. I want to challenge you that your generosity grows when debt isn't owed. Can I tell you something? Generosity isn't a goal. It's a grace. Generosity isn't a goal. It's a grace that God gives us because we've been good stewards. When the church, right, many people in the church is locked up in debt, how can we as individuals ever be a financial threat to the kingdom of darkness? This may sound really, really like direct, but if, if next week the Lord gave us an opportunity for a new building, could you really sow sacrificially into it and not hurt your financial picture? Like, we need to be prepared to be a blessing to the kingdom. We need to have a household that is so set in order that if God says, I need this, it's no problem. Because we are set in order. I want you to be faithful stories of what God has given you and to pursue debt-free living, right? That you'll be able to build your family wealth and change your family tree. Because that's my goal. Because what I'm storing up isn't even for me. It's for my children, it's for my three girls. Amen. I got paid for three weddings in Jesus' name. <laughs> Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When I get debt free, I can live and give like nobody else. And when I am generous to others, God refreshes me with even more over and over and over again. Some of you want to get to a place financially where only discipline, budgeting, and financial stewardship will get you. The life that you want is inside of you being a proper steward of what God has given you. Young couples, listen to me. The lifestyle you want is inside of you being disciplined with your resources. Young man, young woman, I'm telling you right now, the life you want is inside of stewardship and discipline and maturity. As I reflect on scripture, I think that being neck deep in debt as a believer is particularly grievous to God, even egregious because the Lord has worked his plan so perfectly to get us out of debt. God has worked so hard to get you out of debt what am I talking about? Well, oh, the greatest debt that we had, we know it's the debt of sin. It's the unpayable debt that none of us could pay. But God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, he pays the debt of sin with the life of his son, Jesus. That's the gospel. The gospel is debt-free living as a Christian. The gospel is that I'm free from this debt of sin and that God has done something supernatural in my life. Maybe you're here today and the first debt you got to take care of is you have to give God your heart and give God your life. Maybe the first debt you got to take care of is to be able to ask God to forgive you of your sins and receive the payment plan of Jesus, which is salvation and the blood he shed on the cross. Or maybe you're here and you are saved, but you've been careless and now it's a time for you to shift from being careless into being very careful because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I want to challenge you to pursue a lifestyle of stewardship in Jesus' name. Come on, stand with me this awesome afternoon.
Isn't God good? We thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just bow our heads. I want to just pray over you real quick. So grateful, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity that you give us every single day. You give us opportunity every day to make the right choices. Lord, for many of us, we've made the right choices in following you in salvation and doing all those good things. Oh, but Jesus, there's a gap in our finances. Would you help us to read your word and see, just to see how you're calling us to manage our resources, the other 90, God, how you're calling us, Lord, not just to be faithful in our giving to you, but to be faithful in our setting ourselves up for us. Lord, that you would help us. Lord, if there be any among us who are filled with debt, that you would, Lord, give us the, just the focus to be intense about running for freedom. If there are any among us, Lord, who don't know you as their Savior, would you give them the grace and the strength to walk into a committed relationship with you, to accept your son as, your, as their Savior, to decide in their heart to be a follower of Jesus, to make a commitment, Lord, to walk that out. Lord, we don't want to just be a church that is always asking for the things of the Spirit but never managing the things of the natural. But Jesus, we want to manage. We want to be a whole church, a church that has wholeness here, not just spiritually but financially and emotionally, God, and in our hearts to have financial peace. Lord, your word declares that we cannot serve two masters. And many of us look at that and say, Lord, that must be for the rich. They're serving money. But Lord, I've noticed in my lifetime, it's the poor who are rushing after money, treating it like they're God, thinking it'll solve all their problems. Oh, but Lord, help us to know that you are the ultimate problem solver. But that we don't worship something that we manage. Help us not to worship our resources, Lord, but to worship you as we get wisdom to manage what you've given us. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. We give you honor. We give you praise. We love you so much. Come on, the church says amen. Come on, we love you. We love you.